Welcome to Humanly, the podcast searching for the truth about health and wellness. Here's your host, Daniel Reuters. G'day everybody, Daniel Reuters here from Humanly and today I'm joined by legendary chef and all-round good guy and freedom fighter Pete Evans. Welcome Pete, thanks for coming on. Hey Dan, good to see you again mate, thanks for having me. G'day everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking back at the last time I had you on the podcast was um, October, 2020. Can you believe that? It's gone by pretty quick, huh? Yeah, that's uh, some, some say that things seem to be accelerating. Um, you know, our, our notion of time and events that are taking place. So, um, you know, it's it, time is time. I mean, it's relative and, um, you know, we could probably go into a whole conversation about time and our understanding of it, but um, I'm sure you've got different things you'd like to cover today. But um, yeah, a lot's, a lot's happened in the last two years, that's for sure, or a year and a half since we last spoke, and um, it's continuing to um, unravel and unfold and, uh, and also create what we're co-creating in this, in this, in this world. And uh, yeah, it's a magical time, just like every time in human civilization has been magical. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. We're, um, I reckon we're moving into a golden age, uh, albeit a little bit um, slower than people probably like, but we are getting there. And uh, the last time I was speaking to you, actually, you were getting trashed in the media. I think there was like a post, they were calling you a neo-Nazi or something like that because you did a post on like the Black Sun or something, but that was on Facebook. And since then you've moved completely off Facebook and the other social media, and now you're just on Telegram. So have you found that move to be better for you? Do you find you're getting sort of less attention from the media being on Telegram or are things still about the same? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it wasn't a, um, a self-imposed move. It was, um, it, was, it was a move done by Facebook and Instagram. And I have my um, reasons that I believe I was permanently deleted off those platforms. Mm. Um, one of them was we had uh, close to 2 million followers combined between the two two social media platforms and most of them were Australians. So when you take that in consideration, we're talking maybe five, six, seven percent of the Australian population uh, were following, following us much more than Channel 7's Facebook, Channel 9's Facebook, News.com's Facebook, um, and the messages were being shared um, very, very far and wide. So when I decided to, um, I was invited to run for this political election coming up um, by the Great Australian Party to, to be a senator. Um, and when I decided to do that, uh, I'll never forget it because I heard Scott Morrison tell the press that do not give Pete Evans any, any oxygen. And uh, very soon after that, that's when my... Um, social media accounts were permanently deleted without any warning, uh, never to be reinstated. And what we've come to find out, if you've been watching what's happening in, in uh, the United States, um, I think it was Dr. Um, I forget his, his name, but I've interviewed him. Um, uh, he's an MIT professor and uh, he was... Um, giving evidence at one of the um, uh, one of the trials about election interference in the United States over the 2020 uh, presidential election, and they openly admitted in court that uh, the political parties have a direct line to uh, social media tech companies to be able to cancel people. 
So whether that's just a coincidence, I find it pretty interesting that uh, an individual with such a large uh, reach to the Australian population um, was permanently deleted without warning uh, from those platforms once he decided that he would put his hat into the ring in a political um, sense. So it could just be coincidence. However, looking at who is still on Facebook and Instagram and what they're posting, uh, there's people posting a lot more, um, what I would say, um, interesting material that seem to be able to continue to do that, so to speak. Whereas mine was pretty benign, to be honest with you. Um, but so yeah. it wasn't because of, of the information you were posting. It was more about you and, and the reach that you had and the influence that you had and the following that you had. That's my gut feeling. Okay. Um, that's my gut feeling. I could be completely wrong about that. Um, but it does make a lot of sense when you look at it through that lens rather than the, the idea of, of spreading. I mean, I, I just posted something this morning with uh, President Obama. He was doing a talk at Stanford University this morning mm. um, in the United States, and he was talking about one of the greatest threats to democracy is the uh, spread of misinformation and disinformation. He did a whole speech about this. And he also said, um, and I, I will read it because it's, it's, it's very, <laughs> very uh, pertinent to the situation that we've been going through over the last two years, that he said, um, despite the fact that we have now essentially clinically tested the vaccine on billions of people worldwide, I'll read that again, despite the fact that we have now essentially clinically tested the vaccine on billions of people worldwide. If, if that doesn't lay it all out there for, for people, if they still can't see what the last two years is and has been leading up to, then, um, yeah, if, if that doesn't wake you up to the fact that this is just a, a medical experiment mm. with uh, far-reaching consequences that most people believe, then, then um, yeah, um, as someone, some might say, God help you. Yes. <laughs> God help us. Um, so, yeah, the um, the neo-Nazi thing, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Hmm. I was actually talking to a friend yesterday about it and, and they said, well, what was that about? I said, I said, anybody that knows me knows that my work celebrates every single culture um, and reveres cultures. I mean, being a chef, if you look at all of my cookbooks, you know, there is such reverence to pretty much every single culture on the planet that has created cuisine that I have been inspired by or that I have um, learned to respect. So just that notion that I could be racist as mm. someone that promotes <laughs> promotes, <laughs> promotes um, um, so many different ethnicities globally in such adoration for their, for their cultures mm. um, is just beyond belief. And when you really look at it, it's just... It's when somebody wants to, well, let's put it this way, when media organizations wish to attack somebody and they've got nothing to attack them with, the lowest hanging fruit is always to call someone a racist or a white supremacist. Uh, supremacist. It's, it, it goes without fail and, and you can see countless, um, uh, countless forms of evidence to support this globally. And... Um, and again, I've worked with the Indigenous people of Australia. Uh, we featured them heavily 
in our documentary, The Magic Pill. Mm. And which was great, by the way. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, thank you so much. And and it's and I'll, I'll just add this: it's really fascinating how people's viewpoints are. <clears throat> when I released that film, um, we included Professor Timothy Noakes's uh, court case that was in South Africa at the time, and he was promoting a low carb diet, mm. and he showed how um, the indigenous people of of that country, South Africa, were basically being fed misinformation and disinformation from the um from the dietary organizations or institutions which are hand in hand with the government and big big um big agriculture and big multinational food corporations and and it doesn't take a sleuth to work out who owns these companies and and what else they've got their uh, their fingers in but um when we featured uh, the Yongle people up in Arnhem Land, and we'd worked with them before actually, and um, supported their work, uh, I had so many Australians, I'll call them uh, the, the, with the white Australians, reach out to me to be very upset because we covered a lot of um, case studies from the United States because that's where my director lived. And he had um, access to be able to document, I think it was three or four stories, a uh, little girl with autism, a woman with type 2 diabetes, another woman with autoimmune disease, another woman with cancer. So they were American stories that he could follow through our basically uh, a 10-week program of adopting a paleo or ketogenic approach. And the Australian version that I shared was with the Yongle people, the Indigenous. And sorry about this long story, but I had so many... Aussies say to me, why didn't you feature any, any Australians in your documentary? I'm like, did you not fucking watch the film? <laughs> we, f- we featured the Indigenous Australians. Yeah, exactly. To actually pay them respect and show the, the world through this documentary how their intelligence, their connection with nature, their trial and error throughout their uh, human history of evolution produced the most amazing human specimens of long-term sustainable health and how that the introduction of what you could call white man's food or heavily processed food had been the turning point for a lot of indigenous cultures around the world. Um, it's actually one of the hugest reasons behind such ill health um, mm-hmm. for indigenous cultures around the, around the planet. So again, how on earth could I be a racist or a <laughs> neo-Nazi by promoting, uh, promoting is a shit word, uh, celebrating that the, there's so much we have to learn from our indigenous brothers and sisters globally uh, from around the world in in how they manage to not only survive but thrive through most of their evolutionary history. And what it comes back to is hunting and gathering, right? And what we can see at the moment is a huge push from um, certain certain areas or certain industries or certain individuals or certain corporations to make 
that hunter-gatherer lifestyle, which we mimic with the paleo diet, which is including well-sourced meat and seafood and organically non-chemically non poisoned fruits and vegetables. Um, there's a big push to turn that into something that's um, no longer palatable for modern society. And what I'm saying about that is, again, if you if you want to investigate this, we're being pushed into a way of demonizing meat. We're being pushed into a way of like the World Economic Forum. You know, in the future, we will be eating um, lab-grown meat, you know, a la Bill Gates. And Bill Gates is buying up all the farmland. And what we're seeing, what we're witnessing globally right now should raise some huge alarm bells for people in regards to potential food shortages, potential um, taxing on our regenerative farmers um, to the point where I believe they're going to make meat um, the modern-day boogeyman, just like they've done with a, um, a so-called virus, to the point where it'll be unaffordable. And I, you know, I have my suspicions that one of the coming pandemics will be based around um, like we've seen in the past, whether it be bird flu or mad cow disease or the like where they will demonize and target um, meat-based animals mm. for human consumption to put the fear of, again, I'm not religious, but to put the fear of God into people that meat is um, a dangerous thing or seafood is a dangerous thing. And, um, the, the writing's already on the wall, as you can see through the mainstream narrative over the last few years, that that is in play. How far they take it and how quickly they push that, time will tell. But, um, you know, it'd be interesting to uh, do another podcast in two or three or five years and see whether this has, um, this has manifested into um, uh, popular culture, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you've brought up so many points there that I was actually going to ask you about today. Uh, and some of that is around the food shortages and how bad or whether you actually think they're going to um, come to fruition. Um, but just touching on that point you said about the whole meat thing, I've been trying to work out for quite some time, I've been philosophizing, uh, what do humans actually need to eat? What is our real diet? Because people say, oh, it's meat only or it's vegetarian only or it's this or it's that. It's like, are humans actually really meat eaters? And the way that I sort of answer that question is I look to what our ancestors used to do and they ate meat. And I also look at what the government and these sort of global powers are trying to do. And usually what they say, the opposite is true. So when they're going after this meat thing and they're demonizing it and saying how bad it is for the environment and your health, that confirms to me that actually meat is important for the health of, of humanity. Yeah, there's a... Um a beautiful book written by um, uh, a dentist back close to 100 years ago. His name was Weston A. Price, and he wrote yeah. a book called Physical and Nutritional Degeneration. And it's it's a classic. It is a classic. If you haven't read it, I, I mm. highly recommend you read it. Um, it was taught in dental schools across the United States and elsewhere for, for, for decades, I believe. And what he, him and his wife researched Indigenous cultures from around the world. and just to summarize it, basically, the inclusion of animal-based uh, products from healthy animals is, um, is a must. 
you know, I can't emphasize that enough. It is a must. Um, nose to tail eating so that you're including the bones, the blood, the organ meats, um, every part of an animal um, that we can eat is, is paramount because what we've come to realize is that the most nutrient-dense food for human beings is the organ meats. It is, yeah, if you try to compare kale or broccoli to um, grass-fed beef liver, for instance, or wild-caught seafood or oysters, you know, it, it, it pales in comparison, you know, as far as nutrient density and, and what we need to thrive. So, um, yeah, I'm, it, I'll say it again. It's important that we support the farmers that are doing it well. Mm. Um, holistic, regenerative, organic. There are farmers that raise their animals um, on the land with the greatest integrity, with the greatest compassion, with the greatest um, reverence, and that can never be underestimated. And there are farmers and producers that raise their animals in what I would call uh, disgusting, inhumane ways uh, around the planet. And we have a choice. We can support those practices um, that harm animals and create an inferior product, which I choose not to, or we can support the farmers that are, that are, are doing things in a traditional manner and, and with great, um, great dignity as well so, and great respect. And it's, it's something that our Indigenous brothers and sisters and ancestors knew. they they learned trial and error not to fuck with nature not to fuck with the cycles otherwise there wouldn't be that food source available for them for the for the next year for the next season for the coming generations you know humans are are very intelligent creatures and um, when we consciously think about things and we make choices based on uh, the coming generations which, as we know, indigenous cultures really base their philosophy on. You know, you look at some of the um, uh, Native American cultures, you know, they talk about planning for seven generations Mm. forward. Um, And we can also see the same thing happening in uh, in government systems as well, like communist China. You know, they plan a long way in advance for their people and for their plans, you know, whether it's nefarious or whether it's just to look after their own people. But what I find interesting is, you know, and I don't mean to generalize or judge here, but we seem to have short-term vision for short-term pleasure these days instead of long-term, long-term vision of our place in, uh, the life cycle of this planet and for the coming generations. So perhaps we can think about not so much short-term gratification, but um, long-term gratification and what that would mean for our day-to-day choices. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult when we've been raised in such a, a, a fast-paced society where everything is available to us. You know, it really takes some contemplation and some, and some wise choices to, to, um, to make some of these decisions that may not go with the crowd. Um, but, you know, again, that's for a different conversation. We could go deeper if, if, <laughs> in another time. Yeah, there's so many people that I speak to who say, 
eating meat uh, and animal products is damaging not only to the environment but also it's cruel to animals and i had uh, have you ever heard of a guy called joel salatin before i'm sure you probably yeah i saw i saw you've had him on um on your podcast and i've interviewed him i think three times now Uh, (coughs) once uh, was for uh, the magic pill he features quite quite um of course poetically in that and uh, i'd love his use of the english language and his passion and and Basically, if anybody doesn't know who Joel Salatin is, please listen to Daniel's podcast or watch our film and grab one of his books too. Mm. He is he has basically created an army of um instead of digital soldiers, um farming soldiers in a way where their whole purpose is to be stewards of the land and leave their parcel of land, however, however big, whether it be a backyard or acreage. Um in a better shape in which, than which they found it. Mm. And the practice that he employs is called re- regenerative farming practices or holistic farming practices or um, re- regenerative agriculture. And Because agriculture has got a, a bit of a dirty word, but if, when you put the word regenerative in front of it, you know, it can mean that you are actually rebuilding the soil with beneficial microbes with more topsoil with healthier animals by actually taking a um, a parcel of land and bringing more life back to it more biodiversity more richness more you know i'm, I'm not even going to uh, attempt to use uh, joel's eloquency <laughs> and his beautiful <laughs> use of, of the, the the english language and i think that's why he has become such a, a spokesperson because he has this gentle yet uh, confident and powerful approach and presence to his purpose. And um, I tell you what, you know, he's, uh, he will go down in history as one of the most important human beings, I believe, um, for this century um, and potentially more. So um, please investigate him as well. Yeah, he's an amazing guy. And I think what you've said there is him being one of the most important people or influential people in history. I would tend to agree with because if we start the farming sector and agricultural sector in general start to do the things that he's doing, which people before him were doing anyway, like we farmed that way for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So we're really just getting back in touch with all the things that we used to do, the answers are there to all of our problems we just need to look back to history um but yeah I, I do agree with with what you're saying there and as more people realize the things that he's doing um people like richard perkins i think he's over in sweden he's another sort of regenerative regenerative um and sustainable farmer it, as more people do this sort of stuff i think it's going to create a much better world for everybody there's less pollution there's better nutrition there's better food there's more connection to our uh, food and, and where it's coming from. So yeah, I, I do tend to agree. Uh, just before we go too much further, I know a little bit um, earlier on in the podcast, we were talking a little bit about politics and, and that kind of thing. In 20, I was just reading an article last night and that was saying that um, in the first four months of 2022, more people have died from the virus. The virus has never been isolated and proven to cause disease. Um, more people have died from that this year than the, the last two years. But how can that be when everyone's meant to be vaccinated? Um, and even 
uh, on top of that, they're starting to ease restrictions now. There's like no restrictions. They've all just magically disappeared. Do you think this is political? Do you think they're easing restrictions to gain votes and, and get respect back? Like what, what do you think's going on there? I don't know. Right. Um, honestly, I don't know. Mm. Um, you could make many assumptions mm. that, um, you know, when people have asked me personally, you know, on one-on-one, what I think is, is coming in the future, um, I believe we're at the, at the beginning stages of, of everything. I actually said it to a friend last night hmm. and, um, they've we'll take australia as a, as a great example that the experiment that has been run for the last two years um has produced some shocking results in compliancy in compliance and you know i i i, I struggle to comprehend how compliant people have been um i'll give you a great example yesterday i hopped on a plane and i've caught many planes over the last two years and not once have i ever worn a mask and i haven't worn a mask for two years anywhere and i and i know it's not a big thing but um when i hopped on the plane yesterday and the and the flight attendant said uh, do you have a mask i just said no oh you still have to wear a mask on a plane yeah well you don't have to but they say you do right and i just said no and i kept walking you know that the question was do you have a mask because i was the only person on the plane without a mask as i walked on and the simple answer was no and i kept walking i didn't engage in any more conversation in that mm-hmm. because i answered their question and i thought end of conversation no and I went and sat down and um, two women were sitting next to me and one of them had a mask on and she, and she, uh, she was an older lady and she said, oh, geez, I wish I could take this thing off. And I said, well, you can if you like. She goes, don't we have to wear it? I said, you don't have to wear it if you don't want to. I said, it's, it's illegal for them to ask you to do it. You can, you can just say no. And, um, I said, but you do whatever you feel comfortable with. You know, I would never tell anybody to take off their mask, but she asked the question um, and I gave her my answer. Uh, she chose to wear it for the duration of the flight, even though she, she voiced publicly that she hated wearing it. And, um, and I thought that was a really interesting um, experience for me to witness that, you know, because even with information that she asked, can I take it off? Do I have to wear it? I said, no, you don't have to. She still chose to wear it. I was in an Uber the other day and um, I hopped in with my daughter and we're going out. This was a couple of weeks ago in Sydney and the Uber driver had his mask on. And I said, you know, you're you're welcome to take that off if you choose. They didn't ask us to put one on. But I said, you know, if if you want to take it off, my daughter and I are uh, so sweet, you know. And he goes, "I, I would love to but it's habit for me. I'll repeat that. The guy said, I don't, he actually said, I don't like wearing them and I would love to, but it is habit for me. And I said, well, again, we don't need you to wear this. If you, if you don't want to wear it, take it off. He, and he, he again said, no, it's habit. 
And I thought that was a really interesting experience to witness that, that um, he said that it's a habit now. Mm. Right, fuck. <laughs> fuck. <clears throat> if, if, if that doesn't ring alarm bells, that mm-hmm. now it's a habit for so many people. Like, so, um, and another great example, I, I flew with my daughter a couple of weeks ago and, and I said, you know, we go, I said, you can choose to wear the mask if you, if you feel like it, she's 15. I said, but if you'd like, I can show you that you do not need to wear it in the airport. And, uh, I could see her getting scared because she's been at school and they make them wear them at school and, yeah. and. She goes, what happens if we get stopped? I said, well, we'll go through those processes if and when it happens. Nothing happened. We went through the whole airport, through security, passed the police, got our food, did everything, hopped on the plane. Not a question was asked. And she flew back um, by herself um, at the end of the holidays, uh, which was last week. And, And I asked her when I saw her last night, I said, did you put a mask on when you flew? She goes, I did that. I said, how come? She goes, she goes, I was happy to do it with you because I felt safe, but I, I, she goes, I didn't have the confidence to do it by myself. When she's 15 and, you know, the only one in an airport, she would have felt left out. And, and again, it was a, it was a really interesting experience. You know, I don't, judge her for anything it was just a question you know mm. I, I i encourage my children to make their own decisions and in everything and um so where I, what i'm getting at here is that in australia we have so many people that have complied to um the insanity we know that masks do nothing to stop a spread of a virus. I mean, there is no clinical evidence anywhere in the world that has been produced to say that a mask works. Mm. Nada, zero, fuck all, sweet fuck all. Um, there's nothing. <laughs> there is there is nothing. Yeah. And for two years, people have been sharing the information that it does do nothing. In fact, what it does is it makes it harder to breathe. Mm. It uh, promotes uh, an unhealthy environment for our bacteria to spread in that mask. I mean, it's common sense to understand that it's a fucking disgusting, stupid, ridiculous, insane practice. Mm. I mean, yet we have intelligent people that choose to still wear it. And so, where is this going? What I believe is we have now seen the the willingness to comply to be obedient people to believe that the government has the answers to <laughs> our, to our health yeah i mean if they can't um manage the economy i mean australia is nearly a trillion dollars in debt if there's that much corruption that we've witnessed over the years in government leaders, as well as the corruption that exists between big pharma, uh, big medicine, and the media, and the government bodies, I mean, it's, it's, it's there. 
So the fact that people still choose to believe that somebody apart from them knows better, mm. yet all the evidence is pointing towards, well, it doesn't even point towards anymore. It's just blatantly clear that uh, these people are very untrustworthy. They have no fucking idea about health at all. I'll say that again. These people have no fucking idea about health whatsoever mm. for long-term sustainable health for an individual on, on any level. You look at these people that um, are the health experts. None of them have vitality shining or radiating from them. None of them speak with authenticity or integrity or compassion or with truth. Yet people still comply with the, you know, it's like the, the, the clowns are running the circus. <laughs> so, so because people have been so compliant as a population and they have taken a medical experiment willingly, without question, um, with all the evidence that has been produced that states that it, it is ineffective and not safe. I mean, th there's no debate about that anymore that what they were saying that um, the injection was safe and effective is completely the opposite. It is not safe and it is not effective. Yet the Australian government has done a deal with uh, Moderna, I believe it is, to create an, an mRNA factory in Victoria for 2024 to produce 250 million uh, what they call vaccines per year out of Victoria. So Australians will have a supply of vaccines into the future. Their, their terminology of vaccines, not mine. Um, so 250 million produced in Australia for Australians per year? For, is that for, for Australians and elsewhere. Right. But just think about that, of, of population of 25, 26, 27 million people, um, give or take. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how many people are still alive in 2024 um, that will continue to take mRNA, mRNA um, injections. You know, and what uh, I read a couple of days ago is they are turning the flu injection or vaccine and they want to use the mRNA technology as well as uh, cancer vaccines using mRNA technology. And I'm sure there's another 100 or so in the pipeline so, I mean, that's just one deal with one company in, in Victoria. That's $250 million that they're, they're talking about. Now, <clears throat> you will probably see, I, I would say, over the coming years that there will be more factories or more um, uh, manufacturing facilities that will come out in New South Wales, in Queensland, in South Australia, in Western Australia, um, that will be producing the same thing from different companies. Um, so how many millions of doses as is the world or billions of doses is the world going to be producing in the coming years? Yeah. And they've proven that they can inject 80 to 90% of the population within a very, very short period of time for this um, virus that they call. So where is this heading? 
uh, I think we're at the start, mate. I, I really do. I, I, they've proven that they can shut down an economy. They've proven that people will do what they're told mm. um, with no scientific explanation or backup or evidence to prove that what they're, what they're saying is true. So, yeah, I think we're in for a real fucking bumpy ride over the coming years unless people simply say no. And I actually think for this to um, unravel is we need to get to the point where we don't even have that conversation, whether it's a yes or a no. Mm. It's just fuck off. Mm. I'm, I'm not a part of this. And will that happen? You know, I don't know. You know, it, it's not looking good, that's for sure, in this country and in certain parts of the world. It definitely is not, um, um, it's not looking good. So what do we do in the meantime is we... Um, we look to the um, pillars of health, I believe. What are the foundational pillars of health? One is diet. One is obviously the water that we drink. One is the, the way in which we connect with nature. And we can look to our indigenous, bro indigenous brothers and sisters as to what that actually means, to, to connect in such a, a beautiful way to be grounded and to be connected to this wonderful planet that we um, inhabit. And we can look at our, how we sleep. We can look at how we move our bodies. We can look at our ability to deal with chaos and drama and how grounded we can become in the, in the storm uh, because what we're witnessing, you know, pardon the pun, but we are definitely witnessing manipulation of the weather um, and yeah, that was something I was going to ask you about as well. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, it's a really interesting, um, situation we find ourselves in because we can say no to a medical experiment. We can say no to wearing a mask. We can say no to lockdowns. We can move freely. And I, and I'll just give you an example. So for the last year or two with every single lockdown that, that happened around the country, um, I moved freely. I live a nine hour drive from Sydney and uh, I would drive down during any lockdown um, regardless. And, and it was interesting because people would say, I, I can't, can't come to your retreat. I can't come to uh, we're in lockdown. And I said, well, you, you can leave if you choose to, it's illegal for them to do what they're doing. Mm. And I'm a great example. I drove down to see my kids every two weeks. I was never stopped. And if I was stopped, I would have dealt with it um, in the way that I deal with most things, you know, in a calm and <laughs> collected manner and, um, and, you know, stand, stand in my truth. Mm. And, but I had really, it was really interesting that the, the fear that people had that they couldn't leave their suburb or their neighborhood or their, their region. Mm. Like, wow. Like, are you, you're being told how to live your life that you can't see your friends or family. Really? So much control. Really? Like, have you, have you tried? Mm. Have you actually got into a, uh, into a state of uh, 
I will move freely and I will do exactly what I want when I want because this I will not harm anybody. And um, you know, what I'd say to people if they if they ask me is try it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, we know that the um, the the fines that they were giving out did not stand up in court. Mm. So, what's the worst that can happen? Well, I've found just even being present and calm and confident and manifesting what you want to happen uh, actually works because I'm a, I'm a telling example of that. In the last two years, I've done a t- grand total of zero of the things that I've been asked to do by the government. I've done zero of those things and I've very rarely had a problem. I think once I had the police called on me at the dog park because I wasn't wearing a mask. Um, but apart from that, like I've been, it hasn't affected me. I've just lived my life the way that I want to live it. But if I was scared and I was like, oh, gee, you know, can I, can I do this? Can I do that? I think you attract those things. Um, somehow you, you sort of uh, vibrate on that frequency. You get into that uh, law of attraction state and you attract the things that you don't want. Um, and I think that's what a lot of those people are probably doing. They're just in fear, they're scared, and then they attract those things and they go, see, I told you I was right for being scared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, a, a simple way of looking at, at life and life can be that simple if we choose to, you know, we can, we can manifest and create our own reality and, uh, you know, where it gets potentially a little, um, a little more complicated or a little trickier is that um, we inhabit this this planet with another seven billion plus people yeah. um, that are all manifesting. So if if the majority are manifesting fear and mm. compliance, you know, that's um, I did a great uh, podcast with a fellow called uh, Mark Stavish, and he wrote a book called about egregores, and egregores is about um, basically groupthink or group consciousness, where if enough people or even an individual believes something to be true, then it becomes their reality. And um, that is what we've witnessed. And it can, it can hold its own energy. It can hold its own vibration. It can become a tangible thing. So this fear that you're talking about, I mean, it's, it's exactly what we've been uh, witnessing, like with the woman next, sitting next to me on the plane like the uber driver you know it it actually becomes an identity it becomes a belief system for um for a community for a population you know and when you are living in that reality because we do live in communities we live in this population we live in this country we live on this planet so when we're experiencing and witnessing that like every time i go to the airport you know, I, 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 I do my very best. Do not judge. Do not, do not, um, do not be in a state of disgust at your fellow human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, which is the hard thing to do, actually. Choke, be in your heart. Have compassion. Have compassion. It's like a mantra that I have when I'm walking <laughs> through the matrix. Have compassion. <laughs> These people are just doing the best that they can with the information that they've got and they're just trying to get through their fucking day. Yeah. Um, in, and they, they want to adapt. They want to fit in, you know, to stand out is, 
is, and I understand this because I never wanted to stand out myself. It took me fucking a long time to gain the confidence and trust in myself to be unique and and not let being um, different from the pack affect me. Um, because, and like my daughter said, yeah, she's like, fuck that, I don't really want to be the only one. <laughs> and, and she's young. She hasn't, she hasn't flexed those muscles yet in a way that um, 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 she feels confident. And, um, you know, and I have compassion for it because, you know, it, it may come for her, it may not, you know, it's it's her journey. I also, as a father, one of the things I've learned is I have to step back and, and let them learn their own truths, you know. If, if my children want to be um, compliant and obedient to uh, the culture that they, they live in, then so be it, you know. Who am I to, to, to say that that's wrong because there may come a point where, you know, by complying and being the good person or the good citizen, what they think by giving away their power, you know, may get to a point one day where they're like, fuck that, what have I been doing, you know? And that 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 therein lies where I do believe we will see some, some major shifts moving forward. And one of the things that I've learned, and I might have said this to you in the last podcast, is that we did an online program called the Paleo Way. We had 100,000 people adopt our 10-week dietary principles and and lifestyle principles. And what I found really fascinating is the majority of the people that adopted it that communicated with me, they were at rock bottom. They'd been through the medical system. They'd been to see every specialist to find an answer for their health. And changing their diet or removing a couple of things from their diet seemed to be the most extreme last-ditch effort to get rid of their pain and suffering and to be free and to to have vibrancy. <clears throat> they didn't think going to see a, a, a stranger with some letters after their name that would cut them open and remove part of their colon or cut them open to remove a, a, a tumour or to cut them open to uh, fix something, you know, or take pills or take uh, medical interventions that to me seems like the most disconnected, extreme violation of nature that I could ever, ever witness. Mm. Like, But they've gone through that and they needed to go through that for them to realise that that wasn't the path for them. Well, that wasn't the answer for them. That was the path to get them to the answer. Yes. And it was so fascinating because what ended up happening was people adopted the lifestyle principles, super simple. And um, basically what we're talking about, regenerative farming, promote, you know, supporting those people, eating nose to tail, eating uh, vegetables and fruit that hadn't been sprayed with toxic poisons. And they... What they, what they realized was in a very short period of time, some two weeks, some four weeks, some three months, some six months, some a year, depending on their conditions, that they found the answers to these problems that had plagued them for decades. Mm. And a lot of the, these people became angry. 
they became very, very fucking angry. Right. Because they'd realized the amount of money that they'd spent, yep. the amount of time that they'd been in pain, the amount of time that they'd been suffering, the the lies, the misinformation mm-hmm. and disinformation that they had swallowed hook, line, and sinker from trusted experts. That So they got pissed off. I bet. And they became vocal. They became, they were like, they would tell their doctors, like, the fuck? You, 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 you're a gastroenterologist. You study the gut, yet you never told me that food could be the issue. The thing that I was putting into my mouth that goes into my gut that you're an expert on, that you told me time and time again that I could eat whatever I wanted to because it does has no effect on my gut. Mm. So they would tell their, their specialists or their doctors, they get angry. Now, what I believe is going to happen and what we're witnessing, and we witnessed it the other day in, in such a short sort of, it was the pop-up on the, the AFL footy show where they started linking that players are having heart issues. And they actually said, you know, pretty much the only thing that's changed is these players have had a vaccine. You know, they, they quickly backpedaled because uh, yeah. a, few, a few days later because they said the quiet thing out loud. Um, and that is not to be said in a public forum, especially on mainstream um, television or in mainstream way. But we saw the first sort of emergence of that, like it popped up. And I was, again, just watching going, hmm, this is interesting. Where's this going to go? And then a quick backpedal. The quick backpack, like, oh, no, we're not experts, and the experts have said that it couldn't be possibly linked to the vaccine. But like the people that had hit rock bottom and changed their life through simple lifestyle choices, um, what I believe will probably happen is the people that have trusted the system, the medical associate have trusted being jabbed, Hmm. If and when they see their loved ones, their children, their partners, their family members um, succumb to a known side effect from these vaccines, when they see them pass away or when they see them incapacitated or when they see the neurological damage which is coming and they put two and two together because more information will come out, I mean, it's already out there. Mm. I mean, the Pfizer documents. So <laughs> if that isn't enough, I mean, it's there in black and white. When these people, 90% of the population, when even 5% of them or even 1% of the population cotton on that what they've done and who they've trusted has led to their health problems or shortened lifespan of their loved ones, those people are going to get fucking angry. 100%. And, you know, never underestimate somebody that's, that's trusted somebody. I mean, you, you look at relationships when people are in a, 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 a monogamous relationship and they've, they've vowed to be faithful to each other. And when somebody has um, decided to choose a different path, um, we see the anger arise in the other individual. Mm. And, um, you know, so human nature will, will 
has enough evidence to show that when somebody has trusted somebody and they've been wronged by them, their anger is usually one of the first first emotional responses and yeah. grief. And then what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen to others? You know, and, and we've seen that in the autistic community because so many mothers and, and we we've shared this story many, many times. Um, you know, we've had I've been witness to so many mothers and fathers tell me the story of them having the most beautiful, healthy child and then having an MMR vaccine. And within the space of 24 hours up to a week, that child no longer behaves the way in which they behaved. And the only thing that changed was taking the vaccine. And those those very courageous uh, mothers and fathers that have had their lives dramatically changed and their children dramatically changed, they end up being the, the voices for so many others to hear their story. And all these people are wanting to do, once they've been through the anger and the grief and the despair, is try to warn others so that they can be informed of the potential dangers because it doesn't happen to every child, mm. but it does happen to a, a percentage of them. I don't know what the percentage is, but they end up being, you know, it's the classic, it's the classic thing, you know, people call them anti-vaxxers, but they were the, they were the ones that believed in the science. They were the ones that believed their doctor. They were the ones that believed in vaccinations. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put it into their child. Exactly. And then they get stigmatized as being called an anti-vaxxer. And like, hey, wait a minute, I'm pro-vax. Something changed with my child. I now wish to share my story so that, you know, potentially it doesn't happen to other children. And um, and the and the question would be like for autism is what was the situation? What was can we find out why that child responded to that vaccine in that way where others don't? You know that should be that all the studies should be about that one thing. It's like right now the the great human experiment. Mm that's happening with the vaccines at the moment, you know, for anybody that has had an adverse reaction, you would think that all the money, all the research, all the study, all the questions should be, why did that player develop pericarditis or myocarditis when their teammate didn't? What's in that human being's uh, bloods or um, um, genes or whatever DNA, why did they react to it and others didn't? You know, and perhaps that's what's going on right now. Perhaps that actually is, as, as Obama said, you know, the experiment. It's the experiment. You know, will they be investigating why certain people have adverse reactions? Maybe, maybe not. You know, I would hope that that, that they would. You know, it's, it's like when I used to put uh, recipes on a menu in the restaurant. And they wouldn't sell. They're like, why didn't that sell? Oh, was it because it was liver? Was it because it was heart? Was it because it had bone marrow in it? Was it because it was sardines and people don't like that? 
um, you know, you investigate. What is that? You know, that's that's what we do. We we investigate. We adapt. We we try to. Human beings are great problem solvers. Problem solvers. We like to work out our puzzles. We like things to fit. You know, and and when things do not fit, and when the when the um, puzzle doesn't form properly, you know, that leads to the the big question: Why? You know, and I I, I honestly believe if if more was uh, focused on the why, then um, you know, with truth and transparency, and and um, proper investigations, you know, we can we can create safe vaccines. We can create safe medicine. You know, I'm I'm not against vaccines, and I'm not against modern medicine. I'm against some of the some of the um, practices that that they um, that they embody, and you know, it's not a it's not a it's not a big shift. I I believe it's not a great leap for these for modern medicine to become transparent to become compassionate to have that big question mark of why mm. instead of looking at shareholders and profits and getting the next thing to market you know and and there's like joe rogan exposed the other day with um who was he talking to um I forget who he was talking to. It was might have been Mike Tyson, actually, oh, yeah. or, or somebody else. But they were talking about how how it was actually um, uh, the comedian Bill Burr, uh, not Bill Burr, um, Bill Maher, who has oh, yeah. the uh, talk yep. show and great, great filmmaker. If you've never watched Religious, I, I encourage you to watch Religious. Fascinating mockumentary. Um, but he had Bill Maher on on his podcast. It was just last week, hmm. and Bill Maher was saying, you know. How can these doctors and uh, big pharma be so sure? You know, how can they be so arrogant and confident that they know what the long-term effects will be? Mm. And he, he pointed out he 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 pointed out the um, the 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 drug I forget the name of it, Covax or something like this, that was recently removed that had been in circulation for 10, 20 years that would stop nicotine addiction or, or something like this, but they, they found out that it probably can cause cancer. <sighs> they had that on the fucking market for that long. And now 10 years later or 20 years later, they're like, eh, we sort of made a mistake with that one. <clears throat> so the evidence is there that they make mistakes, that products get put onto the marketplace that they deemed were safe and effective. And then, through the experimental process of people dying or people uh, having cancers and whatnot, then they're like, mm, okay, maybe we'll quietly take that off the marketplace now. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and for them, you know, it, it, you know, I have hope that it can, that, that, that shift can happen. And if it doesn't happen, then, I believe it's like mainstream media at the moment. And I've I said this, I might have said this to you in the first podcast we did. Um, I said to many journalists when the pandemic um, first appeared, the first six months, I spoke to quite a few journalists. I said, you know, this could be a turning point for your career if you had the, the, the guts and the tenacity and the courage to 
actually investigate what this is and, and just ask some really, really simple questions to the, the elected um, government officials or the non-elected health bureaucrats. I said, this is the time. You can make a name for yourself. You will go down in history as the one that stood up and asked the, 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 the difficult questions for you, but the very simple questions that you know, should be asked such as wearing a mask, you know, can you present to us the evidence that masks work? I mean, like simple, such a simple question, yet no one asked, you know, just that could have opened the door for so much. And, um, but what we're witnessing is, I mean, great example, CNN plus um, today, they've just announced that um, they're withdrawing it off their platform. So they, they sit for anyone that's not aware CNN um, just this week, last week um, launched a new subscription-based model for their network. They got less than 10,000 subscribers. CNN? CNN. Wow. And it was cheap. It was was cheap. And um, what we're witnessing is the the real-time destruction and dissolution of the mainstream media. I mean, I, I, a friend, uh, a friend of mine, Colin Fastich, called it out yesterday. He was a, a fellow chef on and judge on My Kitchen Rules. And he talked about how Master Chef had three hundred thousand people watch it, and uh, I think this year's Master Chef is um, the All Stars. So it's got all the all the favourites on there, and you know, it's the worst ratings they've ever had. And I'm not using Master Chef as an example because all of the mainstream media. <clears throat> Over the last two years, they've lost ratings across the board, not only in this country but um, globally. So what we're witnessing is the is the changing of the guard. We're, we're witnessing the narrative falling apart. We're witness, witnessing corporations <clears throat> struggling uh, globally. And mainstream media has always been a place where people go for the truth and to understand what's going on in the world. And now more and more people are realizing that it's propaganda and it's bullshit. And um, uh, and, you know, the evidence is in. They're losing viewers. They're going to. And I, the X22 report two days ago, they talked about how some of the alternative news sites in the United States, you know, very low budget, uh, eclipsing all the mainstream news, article, uh, news outlets, you know, 10 to 1, 5 to 1, 2 to 1. Uh, sometimes even more like Joe Rogan, for example, 40 million, he gets 40, 50 million uh, views. Whereas you look at the largest primetime news show in America, uh, cable like CNN, they can't even get a million. That's, so we're witnessing this happening in real time. The, 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 the sources of information have changed. Like you said, Telegram, you know, I love Telegram. Mm, you know, it, to me, it's, it's the most beautiful um, adaptation of a social media platform because it's uncensored, it's encrypted, but it allows for the sharing of news articles instantaneous in a way where <clears throat> you can share 50 things in a day. Whereas if you were doing it on Facebook or Instagram, it wouldn't necessarily fit those platforms. It, mm. it, would, it, it may seem just overload. Yeah, Telegram, for instance, has has emerged as a solution for people looking for truth and looking for news stories that counter what we're 
what the mainstream is holding on to and they're fucking holding on to it. They're they holding are. on to their thing. Whereas like the, the, um, the pharmaceutical companies and big, big uh, medicine, you know, they've got the choice. It wouldn't take too much of a shift for them to regain their integrity, to regain their audience. It wouldn't take that much. It really wouldn't take that, that much, but I cannot see that happening with mainstream media because they're holding on to, they think they're the bastions of truth and whatever they say will be gulped down by the public. And we've seen it, the, the public gulped down, but at the same time, there's a splintering, there's a fractioning, there's a, there's a, there's, there's more distrust now as we're witnessing with the ratings. So we're in this really beautiful fucking, this soup at the moment that's uh, got a lot of ingredients and some days it tastes really good. Other days it tastes <laughs> like shit. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's nearly like this battle is going on for which way is it going to go? And, and I love that because going back, I don't know where it's going to head. It could yeah. head in so many different ways. It's a fucking mystery. And I love it because to know the outcome and to know what's coming would be, yeah. I used to have a pretty good gauge on what I could manifest and the future for myself. For a long period of time, I could see my own future and I could navigate, okay, boom, boom, yeah, that's going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen. And I could see it partly in the world. And one of the things I've really tried to work on over the last two years is letting go of that <clears throat> because I don't want to control my outcome. I also don't, I, I like, I, I, I've, I've learned to love the mystery. I've learned to love the unknown <clears throat> and I've learned to be comfortable with saying, I don't know. Mm. And, um, and there's some, there's some, a lot of freedom that can be um, experienced in that, in that knowing of the unknown and the celebration of the unknown. And it's a place that I, I choose to reside in more and more. And it's 49 years of programming of myself to unwind. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an ongoing, it's a work in progress for me to continually come back to that. I don't know. <laughs> and, and fuck what a, what a, what a trip this is and what a circus and what a clown show it is. And, and it can't be any other way for us to adapt and evolve. And yeah. perhaps it'll lead to the destruction of humanity, you know. And if, if that's if that's our path, you know, fuck, what a trip, you know, that we get to witness this and partake in it. Or as you said, you know, it's the it's the the, the dawn of the golden age. Could be, perhaps. Who, who fucking knows? <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I I go back and forth. And um, and I generally try to reside in the in the middle somewhere. Like, yeah, mm. maybe, maybe. I still go for a surf every day, and so that that I could still do the things I love. I could hug my my kids. I could go out for a beautiful meal. I can cook a beautiful meal. I can have a wonderful conversation. I could still do the things that I love to do, and that that therein gives me so much pleasure and I don't want to say optimism because again, I, I don't want to be too optimistic about the future because I'm, I don't want to do that. But living in the present moment, doing the things that I love, you know, I, I definitely don't take them for granted. And, and 
every day. I am very grateful that I'm here and I get to express my, myself however I choose. I went to the Blues Fest the other night, actually, and it was, it was such a, a wonderful experience for me because a few years or a year ago, I was like, fuck, am I ever going to see another concert again? Yeah. You know, being unjabbed and like, do I really want to hang out with all these people that have taken this thing? Yep. Um, and, and I've learned to let that go. But I was at the Blues Fest and, you know, they didn't check if you were vaccinated. Mm. They didn't check a pass. They didn't say masks or anything. And I got to have one of the best nights of my life wow. listening to John Butler play his guitar, watching Fat Freddy's Drop do their thing, uh, listening to Crowded House perform and, and having a dance with my wife and being in a group of thousands of people just smiling and, and living mm. and singing and, and hugging each other and just beaming. And, and in that moment, I was just so grateful that I got to experience that because I thought there, was a, there were thoughts that were like, fuck, I might not get to do this again. And then when I got to experience it, I was like, oh, yeah, how good does that feel? Yeah, I, I got to do it. How cool. And um, perhaps it'll never happen again. I don't know. But um, but I will <clears throat> I will try not to entertain those thoughts again, no matter what happens, that I will not be able to experience certain things because that was that was a defeatist thought. And you know. But at least you're aware of it and you can learn from that and, and yeah. I, yeah, took a, I, took a, I took a lot from that, to be yeah. honest with you. I took, a, I took a, a, a hell of a lot from that experience. Um, Pete, I'm just aware of the time. Uh, I am sure that you've got stuff to do, but um, I, I really just also wanted to ask you about your retreat and your Evolve Clinic and all the good work you're doing around that. Because when I spoke to you last time, I think that was just starting. So has it taken off the way you expected it to? Uh, and are you happy with the way things are going? Oh, you're on mute, Pete. Sorry. You're yeah, on. I love it. When you when you talked about time, I looked up at the um, the little Zoom clock and it said one hour and 11 minutes and uh, 11 seconds. <laughs> so <laughs> anybody that's into uh, looking at numbers, it was the first time I've looked at the, Amazing. At, at the time since our conversation. So, um, yeah. And it was while you were saying uh, the Evolve Sanctuary, so. Yeah, it's meant to be. But uh, yeah, we, we opened the Evolve Century about a year ago. And um, yeah, it's been such a joy. It's been such a, a beautiful experience. We have <clears throat> seven cabins that we we have guests coming pretty much every week or every second week. Um, Nick and her friend Fee run yoga retreats once a month. Uh, we also run wellness retreats, usually once a month or twice a month. And I run cooking retreats maybe once every month or every two months as well. We just run on the weekends. So it's Friday to Sunday. So it's three days of our time, um, a day of prep on one side and then a day of cleaning up on the other side. So um, we've created a, a, a full-time job for us that mm. we love. Um, and it's not really a job. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a gift and it's, it's nourishing not only for our guests, but for ourselves. 
uh, very nourishing. We we get a lot out of it. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine being couldn't imagine right now doing anything rather than doing my podcast and the Evolve platform and doing the retreats. Um, yeah, talking about manifesting reality, I've wanted to do this for thirty years, and uh, finally, um, yeah. Made the decision to do it, and um, yeah, loving every minute of it. And uh, yeah, for anybody that wants to wants to come along, uh, you can go to my website, PeteEvans.com, and uh, there's a link to our retreats there. Um, yeah, we we have a lot of fun, and um, a lot of transformation happens for people on those weekends. And yeah, we don't really do too much. The, the The property that we've got is nestled in the rainforest. It has a, a beautiful running creek. And just being on country, on that land, and being away from the noise and the circus is is really beautiful for for people's spirits and souls. And and we do see wonderful physical transformations as well as emotional and spiritual transformations in a short period of time. So, you know, if if, if you want to come and learn how to cook, then the cooking retreats are wonderful. If you want to focus on yoga, the yoga retreats are, are sensational. Uh, the wellness retreats are a little bit of an all rounder. You get a, you get a little bit of everything, and uh, we do a fasting retreat too. And uh, oh yeah, that, that's um, we do them once a year in summer, and that's a five day um, exploration of yourself. And um, you know, it could be a really nice thing to to discover how you go without food for five days, and um, and basically doing nothing for five days. Mm. It's um, we hold a beautiful space for that. It, it can be challenging. Um, yes. it's, me- it's meant to be. So, um, so yeah, we've got nourishment and we've got some things that challenge people and then we've got um, beautiful physical interactions too with the yoga practices and, and we do breath work. And, and uh, yeah, we, we, my favourite part is cooking the food for everybody and, and sharing that. You know, I've um, spent a lot of time over the last 30 years uh, honing that craft to be able mm. to... Um, to to support the local farmers and to put a lot of love into those those meals and um, and share that offering to people i love it i'd love to come and uh come to one of your retreats probably not the fasting one because i want to do the the cooking and learn from the master uh so maybe one day i'll um bring my fiance down to one of your retreats and spend the weekend i think it'd be amazing yeah, that would be fantastic i'd love that um i'd be honored pete thank you so much i um appreciate you coming on the show i know i only contacted you yesterday i'm like hey do you want to organize a time to come on you're like let's do it tomorrow morning i was like all right let's do it <laughs> that's, that's, that's usually how i operate I'm like, let's, let's just do it you know yeah and um yeah no it's I'm, great. Uh, I'm um it is early in the morning today and um yeah I, I really appreciate you giving me the time to to share my story and um yeah for anybody that has listened or watched this, um, I'm sending you a lot of love and uh, enjoy the adventure and um, yeah, put a big question mark over over, uh, over it all. And uh, I love you all. So thank you. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Pete. I really appreciate speaking. Oh, I really appreciate your time to come and speak with me. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Pleasure, brother. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. The ideas discussed on this podcast do not replace the advice of your primary healthcare professional. If you have any questions or comments, head on over to humanly.com forward slash podcast and join the discussion. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Until next time.